Thanks for joining us on writersradio.ca, where writers speak their art. This episode is the first in a special six-part series presenting authors who contributed to the recently published anthology, Whiteness is Not an Ancestor, Essays on Life and Lineage by White Women. Each essayist shares moving stories and anecdotes from their life. We begin with host Ingrid Rose, speaking with the book's editor, Lisa Iverson. pleasure to be in conversation with Lisa Iverson, who has brought out a book with a very baffling title. Whiteness is not an ancestor. So first of all, welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Ingrid. It is my delight to be with you today. Yes, it's a pleasure uh, for me too. And Let's start there. This is a collection that you put together. Um, How did you come up with this title? Thank you for asking. This phrase, whiteness is not an ancestor, emerged while leading a workshop, a family constellations workshop, which has been the practice of my work for about 20 years. And it emerged while leading, uh, facilitating a group, people who were working with um, generational histories where there's been a fair bit of trauma and loss. And so when I'm working in those groups, um, my task is to be present to the language that um, as it comes into visibility with working with families has perhaps a reparative and a restorative effect. And so that phrase emerged about 10 years ago and it seemed to have a good effect. Um, It seemed to be good medicine for the people who were there in that group and then many others since then. And so it's a phrase I've used in my work a fair bit and about a year and a half ago, um, uh, one of the contributors to this book, uh, Sonia Lee, who lives in Canada, she's, uh, she invited me to her region to lead a workshop. Uh, and this was the name that we gave to the um, event. And while I was leading that event, uh, it was like a three-day retreat kind of thing One evening, I had a dream that emerged from the ancestral realms, and the dream 
left me that morning with a very clear project that was this book to um, invite a group of women together, a group of white women together to write about the role of whiteness in their lives and in their lineages. And as we were creating the book last summer and I invited the collaborators to offer their ideas about how to best name the anthology, um, the conversation led us to a pretty clear consensus that this was the best name for the book. So that's how we arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I started by saying, oh, it's a baffling title. That's not accurate, really. I think what I found interesting about it is it makes you stop mm -hmm. and think, yeah. what does that mean? Yes. And you talk about, you just mentioned the ancestral realms. Yes. And depend. I don't know who's listening to this, what experience they've had, if they've had any beyond ancestry now, to think about their ancestors. What, what are you conveying? What is it, ancestral realms? How do you even approach them? Mm-hmm. What a fabulous question. Um, the first thing that comes to say is just that it's really a respectful, I think a mutually respectful thing in all directions toward ourself, respectful toward ourself, respectful to the communities in which we live, to our families, um, to our descendants, to really uh, prioritize the lived histories in the generations before us. And so, you know, depending on what region in the world one lives in, uh, I mean, each region where people live, they, they have their own histories of what's happened. Well, in North America, I live, I'm an American, I live in the U.S., um, the North American continent has experienced all that it has. This has included a lot of immigration. It's included a lot of colonial movements in the U.S. It's included um, the 400-year you know, history that's included slavery that has had an enormous effect um, still in our in our country and in our families. And so I think all of these histories, um, one of the effects is it's led us to have a kind of a Western trained mind that teaches us. We we're not aware how um, acclimated we are to be living in our minds in a kind of a disconnected state with our embodied knowing with our with our embodied um, being and so um, indigenous wisdom which is innate to our humanity knows that of course you know our ancestors 
and the ancestral realm is simply a part of us because we wouldn't be here without all of those generations before us. It's just a simple statement of fact. And for the North American continent, particularly, and it's, it's, um, it's a remembering this because of this colonial history, et cetera, that also really teaches us to focus on the individual. Mm-hmm. So we're really invited to remember the profound way in which we are always in connection in groups, first and foremost, our family and our, and our generational groups that pass life on to us. Wow. Yes. Very, <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Yes, remembering. It's yes. the members of our family go way beyond the ones that are living. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, so, and so you're pointing out, yeah, the, the sense of connection that is there uh, between those who've already passed on those, you know, our loved ones or generations before us who've died, um, those of us who are alive today, and the future generations that come after us. There's a, there's a connection there operating always. Yeah. So you've been a therapist for a long time, and this work that you do with family constellations, my it is tied up with trauma, right? And um, so I'd like to ask you about um, how trauma is the, I I don't know how to describe this, is the window into our pasts. That may not be the language you use, but in as a therapist and as a family constellation person, well, that is a beautiful way of putting that. Yeah, trauma trauma is part of the human experience. And so it, an experience of trauma means there's been some disconnection, some separation that's occurred where there's been a threat to safety. It involves, trauma involves you know, there's been a threat to safety and security and these kinds of things. And so um, it's, again, it's a kind thing for us to prioritize um, really seeing and, and, and welcoming the visibility where there have been traumas of any kind. And because when there's been something that's disrupted uh, connection with oneself and with others, then um, there needs to be certain ingredients operating where there's safety and security, stability operating to welcome the reunion where there's been separation. So the work that I do both with individuals and then in groups uh, is part of providing that 
those movements of reconciliation with oneself and with others. Yes, so trauma, in the way that you are describing it, it's a disruption, a disconnection. There's been a disconnection. There's been a disconnection. There's been a, there's been a, uh, yeah. And when there's been, um, this has happened, it's, you know, it's important to see that we are wired for survival. You know, our species is wired for survival. So we do what we need to do to get through whatever the situation is. And, um, and sometimes then though there are these parts of ourselves or family histories, et cetera, that are just waiting, set aside a bit. They've been set aside waiting still to be acknowledged and to welcomed back in. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a very vivid and visceral way to think of it. So they're waiting in the wings. Yeah, they're waiting. Truth doesn't go away. You know, it's really part, the relationship between trauma and truth are very important. So, um, very relevant to the political scene at the moment. Oh my goodness, aren't they though? Who knew there were so many different words that we could make up to describe lie, the word lie. (laughs) We we had to make up a whole new lexicon, disinformation and like all these things. And yet, and yet our bodies don't lie. Exactly. Exactly. So this, so it's always interested me that you know things that you don't know. Exactly. That they're actually hidden in the body and in the work that you do, particularly with groups, because I've heard you speak about this before, there's something very important about it being group work. And I think that relates to what you were saying about our Western minds and the emphasis on the individual. And we get to feel so isolated and lonely. This is my trauma. This is my problem. And no one else can understand what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And yet we share, we share our histories. Yes. Yes, we do. And so group, this kind of group work, I mean, I really think at this time we're living in, in this era, that working in groups of so many different kinds is really some of the most important medicine that we need. And, and it's important to, I mean, we can see the vulnerability, certainly in the States, that the vulnerability for us as a nation that comes from not recognizing how important groups are and how important connection is with others. Uh, We're living in a period here in the States where the vulnerability is uh, really important to see that. And so so the healing work, constellation groups provide a way for us to quite immediately embrace how much we need each other. And your ancestors are a gift for me and my ancestors are a gift for you. And they're all there with us all the time anyway. And when we come together with a particular um, shared 
welcoming for them to support us with, you know, bringing into visibility whatever the truths are that have not yet been able to be brought into visibility. It is a, it is a mutual gift for everybody who's there. I'm Ingrid Rose, your host for this Writer's Radio program, based on the anthology Whiteness is Not an Ancestor, Essays on Life and Lineage by White Women. I've been in conversation with Lisa Iverson about the healing work she does as a psychotherapist and facilitator of family constellations. As she says, trauma and truth are intimately connected. Here is Lisa Iverson reading excerpts from her foreword to the anthology, Whiteness is Not an Ancestor. While doing research for my first book, I learned about what's often described as the largest one-day mass execution in U.S. history. It took place during the U.S.-Dakota Wars. In December of 1862, 38 Dakota men were publicly hung in Mankato, Minnesota, witnessed by a crowd of 4,000 white onlookers. This is the region where I grew up. It's a collective historic trauma experienced on this land and the generations before me that is just beginning to be openly acknowledged. The Homestead Act was signed by Lincoln earlier that same year. The effects of this law cannot be overstated in how it supported European immigrants and their families starting their lives on new soil. As a descendant of ancestors who benefited From settler colonialism, I feel the inheritance of gratitude, grief, and guilt in these histories. I've benefited from this group lynching. Over the last 15 years, I've developed residential retreats, programs, and presentations on the influence of slavery, colonialism, and immigration, with titles including White People Don't Know They Have Ancestors, an embodied dialogue with the internalized colonizer, shared roots in the family soul, and truth and reconciliation. It begins in the family. In 2015, I gave a TEDx talk entitled Receiving Life and Ancestral Blueprints about these topics, offering the idea that the U.S. was formed out of disconnection from family. The collective movements of immigration, slavery, and colonialism are all filled with experience of separation from family by choice or by force. We like to talk about the choice ones, but the ones by force, not so much. Unexpressed grief, unhealed trauma, and unmasking shame and guilt are all still very much in process in our country. In histories, 
where there's been collective trauma, injustice, oppression, the assumptions are often that violence is the fault of men, that they're the perpetrators and women are the victims of trauma. The circumstances of humanity are more complex than this oversimplification. Greater understanding, acknowledgement, and visibility of women's roles in these dynamics are necessary if we're genuine in our desire to bless next generations to more just and peaceful futures. You've just been listening to Lisa Iverson reading from her foreword to the anthology Whiteness is Not an Ancestor Essays on Life and Lineage by White Women This is a courageous book of essays contributed by courageous writers willing to come to terms with their family's secrets and lies and also the shame inherent in those buried or distorted stories As Lisa reminds us in her foreword, remember the idea what we don't face faces us. You've been listening to Writers Radio, broadcasting the beautiful, fanciful, and engaging work of talented writers from our neighborhood and yours. This has been the first in a series of special programs featuring authors reading from their essays published in Whiteness is Not an Ancestor, Essays on Life and Lineage by White Women. Be sure to check the website writersradio.ca to hear writer bios, podcasts of previous programs, and to subscribe to our announcements and notifications list. Thanks for tuning in.